You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday afternoon, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassman Securities. He's the deputy chairman of that institution. And David, one of the things that has struck me over the weekend, apart from things that we'll talk about later, which have no bearing on business, is the the story of your mate, Warren Buffett, who's taken a stake in Barrick Gold. Now, I mean, it's a tiny, tiny percentage of his portfolio. And the gold stocks and the gold price and the gold physical gold as an asset class is a tiny, tiny part of the big world of bonds and equities. But he did this with Apple many, many... I mean, he was he was a Johnny-come-lately when it came to Apple. Do you think he's right this time just as he was with Apple? I don't know. I, I, it's a very confusing purchase because I've followed Buffett for decades. Yes. Um, you know, I went to Omaha, I think, 2007, 2008. I went there seven or eight years in a, in a, in a row. And uh, but but even before that, I'd um, you know followed him very very closely. But in all the years that I've been there, he he and Charlie Munger, his lifelong business partner, had always had an attitude towards gold. They would never they didn't want to buy miners because it entailed huge amount of capex, you know. And they they liked businesses that were light on capex, like sea candies, sea candies. You know, you'd buy a machine and you'd use the same machine to buy, to, you know, to make candy. There was nothing complicated about it. Um, so, and and our Charlie, and, and I'm giving you background to this because Charlie Munger would always say, you know, he would avoid construction companies. Why? Because construction companies, all the capital was tied up in big trucks that remained in the stockyard or something like that. So that, that's the kind of attitude. And his most famous quote, and and I'm sure to misquote it now, but, but it was basically – you know, what happens with gold is that uh, you dig it up some part of the world, you know, in some isolated place. You then raise it to the ground and then you dig another hole and get people to watch it. You know, you, in other words, it does nothing. So on. And you always say, listen, I would prefer to buy a piece of land. You know, you grow maize or you grow corn or something like that rather than gold. So mm. it's just so opposite to whatever they have said. And I never thought that I would ever, you know, see him buy gold. Now, what might happen is he's got the two, he's got Todd and Ted, and I always get their names mixed up, so I'm not going to attempt them, you know, who have, uh, uh, who each manage a couple of billion for him. I think it's more than a couple of billion. It might even be five billion each or 10 billion each, whatever it is. And this could easily be their influence. You know, it could be them. Yes. And uh, buying it rather than, than Buffett himself. Uh, but I think more astonishing as well is that he also sold the he sold out of banks. Admittedly, it's not a huge amount, but also ease back on uh, you know on his bank buying, particularly Wells, J.P. Morgan, Goldman, and so on. Because Wells Fargo so, was was his poster boy, wasn't it, of his financial services portfolio? Right. Has he got rid of that completely, or is he just eased no, back on it, as you no. said? I think it's eased back. I, I've got to do the sums still. You know, I've got to go and do the sums, but he eased back on that. I know the Goldmans he'd always bought in the 208, 209 financial crisis, made a lot of money on that. He saved them uh, from that. You know, he's, he, he actually saved the business by, by buying um, not preference shares, but preferred shares, you know, that he converted into an even bigger stake. So to be, you know, to be fair, I think uh, uh, there again, he's always been a man that uh, stood behind the banks and you know, I love J.P. Morgan, love Jamie Dimon and that, and, and easing back on these as well. So that's, uh, you know, it's peculiar.
it's it's just uh, outside of the way that um, that you know that he's thought and 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 pushed his portfolios. It's a tiny stake, and it's not meaningful in the whole Berkshire yeah. Hathaway uh, portfolio. Mm. But on the other hand, it's symbolic of a change yeah. in stance, and it's almost as though Charlie Munger and uh, the man himself, Warren Buffett, are getting to the point where they're now handing over the reins. And and not not to say that they, you know, as octogenarians, which they are, that they're losing they're losing influence or not being as busy as they were and not being as day to day hands on as they used to be. But they are handing over the reins, and maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a it's oh. a sign, and maybe they will be absolutely right because you can't buy bonds. Uh, equities are ridiculously yeah. high, and one of the main reasons he didn't want to buy gold was because it doesn't yield anything. But to bonds right. anymore so why not have a bit of yeah. gold i i i that's what that's why i'm having a lot of I, it concerns me to an extent and what it highlights is that the kind of rules that governed uh, buffett and uh, charlie munger for so long you know the kind of their strategy has suddenly just gone out the window they they, they don't know what to do you know, that's the way I'm reading it. I, I'm saying for the first time, they seem confused. And, you know, they bought Bank of America. I think that might be in a after, you know, after the uh, end of June. I don't know. You've also got to reconcile when all these shares were done. You know, they bought Bank of America. In the meantime, they're selling other banks. I haven't been a favorite of banks. You know, I'm not saying I'm ahead of the curve there, but I've always been worried about the U.S. banks because of low interest rates, because there's no uh, borrowing and because the Fed is providing the the role of 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 banks, you know, it's it's buying up bonds and it's creating credits and so on. And uh, if you've watched the banks' profits, they've made a little bit of money out of trading uh, and 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 through credit cards and fees like that. But they the traditional business of taking a turn on on lending money is not working anymore. So I've been out of banks, but um, it's it's. I think I think what comes across, Lindsay, and this is the important thing, is I think they're battling, they're struggling, and they don't want to do what we've done. You know, we've we we don't have that kind of market. And I say, yes, I still like Amazon, I still like Apple, I still like these themes. You know, and we've gone for themes uh, more on the momentum buying than than on any fundamentals. And I don't think it's within their makeup to do that. You know, <laughs> they've got to they they've got to justify it in 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 fundamental mm. terms or intrinsic terms before they do it. So for kind of wild maverick portfolio managers like myself, you know, when I say wild, we rely on instinct and, and uh, kind of, you know, uh, trying to lead, read the tea leaves. Uh, it's easy, but I think for them it's a lot more difficult. Yeah, I is. hope that came through, if you understand what I'm saying. You know, I we're do. Not down, I'm not down by the rules. What I, what, what, I do, what I do get from what you've just said in the last couple of minutes is that you, know, you told me a couple of weeks ago, you told everybody a couple of weeks ago that you'd got out of Berkshire Hathaway. And mm. it's almost mm. as though you're saying... I used to like Berkshire because of Buffett and Munger and the way that they went about things, but they're doing things exactly. in a different way at the moment. So I'm I'm out of it. It's almost like a, a football team like Barcelona, which we will talk about <laughs> later on, which have which have suddenly. I mean, it's still a brilliant brand and everything, and we'll still continue to do well in the future. Mm -hmm. But they're just they've just lost their way a little bit. It's I almost as so. though you're telling me that the two octogenarians at the top of Berkshire have not lost their way, but maybe on the road to losing that way. Because of this very strange, odd situation that we're in. Mm. Remember in 08, 09, you know, the financial crisis. That was a financial crisis. Uh, it wasn't a health crisis. And what happened is there was a need for money. 
you know, the, the banks never, I mean, this, this the, the propping up of the economy is different because of the, we closed the whole global economy. In that stage, we mm. didn't close the global economy. And there he was great. Why? Because he had all this money which he could lend out on his terms, which he did in yes. a big way to Goldman Sachs and you know, made huge money on that. Uh, he was the man. They were knocking on his door all the time and he was getting phone calls all the time. Not this time. You know, this not this time. He can't do that. So I think this has caught them totally unawares and, and just off guard. And uh, I saw that in, in May, you know, at their, at their general meeting as well. Just wasn't the same, didn't have the same control yes. over the situation as he has had for a huge number of years, you know, 40, 50 years. Yeah, you're quite right. Yes, it's it's not quite the brand that it used to be because mm -hmm. it was a one uh, and, and stroke two man brand, and now it's not anymore. David Sassel came out with their results this morning, yeah. and it was keenly anticipated. We'll speak to Nick Kunza tomorrow on the five o'clock shadow about mm. it because he was eagerly anticipating this, uh, and the market didn't really like it. And I don't no. understand. I don't understand why everyone was so optimistic. I mean, it's gone from 500 to, to 25 to wherever it is at the moment, 130, 140. But when you're in a perilous and precarious situation financially like this, where you have to uh, issue X billion rands worth of shares uh, next year, I think they're talking about. Mm. I, d I don't know. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't touch it. But what did you think of the numbers? No. I, exactly that. I think, I think the scary part, and look, <laughs> when you go through these accounts, there are lots of numbers. Mm. And even the debt, uh, they did explain in full detail, you know, the the debt and the repayment of debt. But the scary number is that of 100, and I'm going to round up numbers, you know, of 190 billion debt that they have, 175 is is in dollars. Yeah. So that's a scary stuff. But they've got to, you know, they've got to cover that with sales in uh, or ease that back dramatically with sales in uh, Louisiana. You know, they've got to bring that down. And they've given some kind of guidance. What comes across as well is that they've got time on their side uh, to sell assets, to cut costs, and to do other things in order, you know, before the right issue. Why? Just simply because of when this debt retires or when it comes up for payment. So they've got a few months of uh, margin, you know, of, of, of safety in which they can think about their plan. But Lindsay, what it comes down to, and, and I think this is dangerous for every company, where you've got this kind of debt, you know, where you've got this debt, what do you do? You have to sell your assets. You have to sell the productive assets. It also doesn't give you the, the leeway or the margin to reinvest and find new avenues of, uh, you know, of revenue and of growth. And that's the problem. So this is a company under stress. And if the oil price does not hold around about $45, which they have mentioned, that's their, that's their important level. So if oil keeps falling back below 45 there's going to be a big, big strain on this company. So to sum it up, I'm just saying, leave it alone. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to go there. There are plenty of other places to go. This is a company that's got a lot of issues ahead of it.
Yeah, an awful lot of issues, and it's going to take years. It's almost like the, the, a, a coronavirus story. You, you think that it's over just so you've got a vaccine, and if you get your rights issue uh, out and people in, uh, and subscribe, they subscribe to it, uh, your existing, existing shareholders. It doesn't matter. The fact is that there's a lot of repairing to, to be done. You don't go from 500 to 25 and then suddenly back to 150 and then shoot back up to 500, not, no. like, not like the S&P and the NASDAQ and the, no. and the Dow Jones, which have done exactly that. And um, just looking at my screen, actually, David, let's talk about this now. The S&P 500 futures, 33.75, the all-time high for the front-month futures contract way back in, in, in history was 33.97. And when I say that five, six months ago, yeah, something like that, it's now 33.75. It's 22 points away from all-time record highs. How is this the case? This is astonishing. I, I, it, you know, I, I, I just watch him. The same kind of mood as you do. We're, we're in extraordinary times. I was asked a question as well. Mm. Uh, you know, this is a bubble. This is a bubble. You know, yes, it's a bubble. I said, well, what's not a bubble? Mm. You know, <laughs> the bond market is not a bubble. I mean, the bond market where uh, rates are, what's it, in the U.S., 0.7, uh, is that not a bubble? You know, that's the same. So you've got which bubble do you want? That's, that, that's what it comes down to. I... You know, I, 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 we're in the middle here, and we're saying, okay, so where are we going to put our money? I'd rather put it in companies that are growing, that, that we're using more so than trying to buy bonds at the moment, where uh, anybody who's buying a bond, I'm not talking on the U.S. market at 0.6% or 0.7%, you are only buying it because you're going to make capital profit. You're not buying it because you want yield. So you're hoping that it goes from 06 to 05 or something like that, and you can take a big chunk of uh, profit. But uh, that, that's my point, is that there's not, um, th- there's not a lot of places we can go to in this very weird and strange market. What the consequences are going to be down the line, you know, meaning uh, when we get out of the virus, I, I, it, 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 it's anybody's guess. It's going to be uh, a long road out of it as well. Um, but for the meantime, you know, I watch it, as, as I say to you all the time, I watch these markets, you know, like a hawk yes. every minute of the day. I don't, I don't wake up on Friday and say, oh, well, listen, I'll wake up on Monday morning, catch up. Boy, I'll go through the weekend and try to look for signs and look for, mm. you know, it, it, what, how this is all going to unfold. You've got to be on touch. You know, you've got to be on top of what's happening out there. You can't, you can't be frivolous or just, uh, uh, what's the word? You know, uncaring, indifferent. No, nah, not 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 yeah. No, you can't. Um, I'll talk to you about the the way that the world is reacting to what's happened over the last six months because nobody knows how to react. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. I mean, this you were alive in 1917, 1918, and you could glean some kind of mm-hmm. guidance from the policy yeah. that was introduced in those years. I don't know. But um, anyway, we'll talk about that later on. Another Stock Exchange News Service announcement. I was talking to Nick Kunzer this morning, and I look at Momentum Metropolitan. Metropolitan. Mm. I just, I, I don't know. They, they, they bolted two companies together, one servicing one sector of the population, one oh. servicing the other sector of the population, you know, low and medium um, income earners mm. and high income earners. And I've never been excited about this company, if, you, no. if anyone ever does get excited about no. an insurance company. What no, do you think? I, th- I think no. I think that I, I agree. I think that Metropolitan in itself was actually a pretty good company in the sense that it 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 looked after the lower income earners, you know, who looked for uh, 
certain policies, funeral policies, education policies at the bottom. And momentum was somewhere in the middle. I don't know where it where itself, you know, where it found itself. It was uh, an old throwback from the heady days of maybe the 80s and the 90s. Hmm. Uh, at the moment, um, you know, it went through quite a few issues. Hillimer came back and has tried to pick it up again. He's got a he's got a whole restructuring program. I can't remember what it is, but. What you read in this, Lindsay, there was uh, in, in, in the statement, there are three things that are very important, is that they're, they're an insurance company. Yeah. Okay, so also under COVID, you know, under lockdown, you can't send your salesman out. Okay, that's at the low end of the market or even for momentum. In other words, these are sold. These are not businesses that are – policy. these policies are not bought. They're sold. In other words, you get a knock on the door and your friend, the insurance salesman, comes in. You know, he happens to be the son of your auntie or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. cousin, whatever it is, and he comes and he sells your policy. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. So that's the one thing, and that applies to all the uh, financial services businesses. In these kind of lockdowns, they can't sell their policies because it's, it's, it's almost tying you to a chair and forcing you to take it. You don't want it. And the other thing is, of course, the claims. So you've seen a, a big increase in mortality, disability claims, you know, job termination, uh, all kinds of issues that we've seen around, uh, you know, and even some of them going to court as we've seen with Santa. So I think that it's hurt them badly. They've had to make provisions. In fact, they even hinted that they need to bolster up their reserves. I don't know whether that points to a rights issue or what it points to, but I think a lot of these businesses watch carefully. They have been helped by the market because you know they all own uh, everything. Um, you know if they they are you know they in in their own um, sorry assets. They've all got share portfolios which they manage and that you know for their life for their life books and then that does help them a bit. But but overall, it's the claim side of it and the selling side. I think that's dragging them down. Yeah, very good point indeed. Uh, but it's not one that you would look at. I mean, even though it's a proxy for the market, you'd much be, you'd no, be you'd, no. do, you'd do better buying the Satrix uh, Top Forty uh, ETF mm. or something rather than buying this company, even though uh, it might pay dividends mm. in the future. Exactly, exactly. It, it doesn't excite me. I don't. I'm not. Uh, um, I think there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of interest at the bot in financials at the moment. There's a lot of interest in the banks, you know, believing that they're cheap. And uh, yes, they might be in three, four, five years' time. You know, and we might look back and say, "Oh, they were dead cheap." But I, I, you, you know, you don't you don't have to rush into it. You can you can just hang out. You know, you, you just hang back, wait for the signs to come that things are changing here and the economy is starting to turn and look better. Hmm. So I, I remain out of it, yeah. Um, let's have a look at what's, what's going on this week. Uh, David, not much on the economic data front, but um, a lot of results oh. coming out from South Africa this week. I got a message from Greg Davies who sent me just a very interesting, as it always is on the Sunday, it says events to watch for or something in the Sunday Times. And I looked at the number of results coming out this week. Stupidly, I've deleted it, but uh, oh. a lot of results coming out from JSE listed companies. So it is going to be a big week as we get to companies that have either half year or full year June end companies. The banks are the big ones that come out. Yes. And that's the ones. So it will be, I think, Standard and uh, maybe First Rand. I think they're coming out. I think the ones I'm looking forward to is uh, is is Billiton. And, and uh, I don't know if it's Anglo's half year, but Billiton as well. And why I say that is that it's, it's, it's strange how things work because 
bulletin is it's the, the iron ore price. We've, we've spoken about this before. It's one twenty. Mm. You know what I mean? The copper price is up, and 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 of course it's it's involved in both of those. The thing is that I always look to where they listed in the UK and the Australia, but I look to the UK. And in the UK, actually, you know, bulletin's okay. <laughs> For three years, it hasn't done anything, nor has it fallen back. But in South Africa, because of the RAND, mm. it's an absolute winner. I don't know whether it's at an all-time high, but it's certainly at a, at a multi-year high. And it's, it's, it's been overlooked in terms of uh, gold shares and platinum shares, you know, which have been running. But we haven't noticed that both Anglers and Bulletin have done incredibly well. I, want, I, I, I just want to look for the beginning of the year, because remember that the all-share index is probably flat to slightly better on the year. Right? Um, but uh, in terms of – I've got to look at the year to date because – and just give you an idea of of where – you know, besides Pan-African Resources and Goldfields and Harmony, all of those that have done well, uh, Kumbara Iron Ore up about 37% this year. Remember, the all-share index is, is kind of 1% or 2% up B, uh, yeah, BHP up 28% since the beginning of the year. So it stands out, you know, together with NASPERS, which is 32%, to process 56%. But we haven't noticed that, you know, BHP, which is a diversified miner, has done as, has, has done that well. Anglo's up 11%, but Anglo's has, uh, has, has, you know, ran last year. So BHP has been an absolute winner uh, this year. And I look forward to their results, you know, to, to see what, what they have. Look, it's, we've got to look at it in pounds or in Australian dollars, but, uh, um, you know, that will give us guidance to see what they say about uh, iron ore, which is, you know, iron ore. That, 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 that coal, iron ore, oil, and uh, although they're reducing the oil and, of course, uh, copper. Okay. Yeah, lots of results coming out. We'll talk about some of them tomorrow evening with Nick Kunzer on the 5 o'clock shadow. But I just look at this thing now. It says here, Cheers all round as Ramaposa lifts bans, puts SA back on the road to recovery. I mean, that's a bit of a bold statement, isn't it? On the road to recovery? What are you talking about? It says here, President Cyril Ramaposa on Saturday night swept aside most of the COVID-19 lockdown restrictions in a bold move intended mm. to restart mm. an economy shattered by nearly five months of lockdown. Well, we could go back five years, 10 years, mm. 15 years. But anyway, I understand what they're trying to say. Level two takes effect from midnight on Monday. When is that? When was midnight on Monday? Uh, that's Today. tonight. That's tonight, right? Mm. When restrictions on booze, cigarettes, interprovincial travel and what? personal and family mm. visits will largely fall away. Bans will remain on spectators at live sport, so what, and on international travel. That's terrible. But anyway, the point is that after months, of, sorry, weeks of not hearing from him, suddenly he's being lauded again. Mm. Mm. I understand, David, that politicians are dealing with something they've never dealt with before and they don't know how to do it. But I do believe that certain... Um, countries have done it well, certain countries have been iffy, and certain countries have done it terribly. And after a good start, I think South Africa did it really, really badly. What do you think? Well, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think there's uh, – I, I think it's – the virus is kind of – I don't want to use the word because I don't know, you know – I can't, I can't explain it scientifically, but it kind of – it's worn itself out, you know, it's – and there are valid reasons for this. You know, you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, the, the point I'm making is that I think he was virtually forced into this kind of situation, I think, because uh, people were getting very impatient and, yeah, the economy was showing severe signs of strain. Let me – I just want to answer your headline because 
I thought there'd be a knee-jerk reaction today. I thought that um, people would come out swinging, happy, and buy our market. It hasn't happened. Mm. The market is up today, and it's up quite strongly, but it's only up because mining shares are, are going again. Um, you know, gold shares are very strong. Um, Harmony, Anglo Gold, and so on. Also, we've had British American Tobacco, which has nothing to do with South Africa, picking up, well, a little bit to do with South Africa, but also it's Glencore and it's Process and Naspers and those companies which do not have operations here and are hardly, uh, you know, sorry, you know, hardly affected by what's happening on the on the uh, South African economy. But when we go into Things like, um, you know, the property stocks, pick and pay or mutual, our banks, they're all down. Yes. So And down quite dramatically. So Capitec, which would give you an idea, is down 3.5%. You know, you name it, Truworth, down about 3%. Uh, pick and pay, down about 3.5%. So against the backdrop of opening up even further, with liquor sales now taking place and tobacco sales taking I would have expected more of a positive reaction. Instead, we found a sell-off. So I think that answers your, you know, your query or your views. So yeah, I think the market's still very sceptical about where we are. Well, I think the two, the two things that says, um, strike me after what you just said is that people have become used to what they've become used to. In other mm. words, they, they maybe they don't want to go out. In the UK, mm. you've, you've got this thing called eat out, help out. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you get 50% off for a certain time period by the government. So you go out and buy a plate of fish and chips mm. and the government will pay half of it. If you have a beer, then that's for your bill. But they don't they pay, they pay half of that. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, people do that. But Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they they, they stay at uh-huh. home again. They're just getting a free. They're getting a, a, almost like a, a free a free half meal. And I think in South Africa, maybe the same thing. Maybe people are not going to go out again and do all these things. There'll be these people that go out and buy loads of booze. In fact, I spoke to somebody today who's a very keen wine drinker. And this person mm-hmm. said, I'm going out there and I'm going to stock up because I know that there is the potential for this whole thing to turn around again and I won't be able to buy alcohol in a couple of weeks' time because it'll all change once more because there's a mm. spike in cases. So, again, it, we, mm. we don't know what we're no. dealing with, David, and nor do the no. politicians. No. In, 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 no. I, I never feel sorry for a politician because I think they're all unqualified halfwits. Most of them, yeah. But but I do. Well, feel... We excel ourselves there, you know. Yeah. South Africa excels itself in that area. Yeah. But I, I do feel <laughs> sorry for them because they don't know what they don't know what they're confronting here. But yeah, I, I just think that it's it's just just a stab in the dark here. We don't know what on earth is going on. No, no, no. I I I I think that. In fact, I can apply that to the world as well. Yes. I think the whole world is just taking a stab at it and just hoping something happens that and, and this pandemic vanishes. I think I think globally it's been a, you know handled atrociously, and I, it's my pet gripe that that there was no you know no, no no one came together, no world diplomats or no world statesmen came together and said, listen, how do we fight this? From a global perspective, no one. Hey, you know, you know what's very really interesting, and 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 it's you must. Uh, do you read the Economist? You must read this weekend. I've run out of my my free um, my free articles oh, no, actually, but so no. I, I you'll should get subscribe. It tomorrow. I'll subscribe. Yeah, you'll get it tomorrow the next day. Yeah. But they cover. They look. They they hugely anti-Trump. 
I mean, hugely anti-America at the moment, yes. uh, just simply because of the way that America is conducting itself. But they highlight China, particularly because of what's happening in the world at the moment. You know, the confrontation between uh, America and China. And they're saying, just be careful. You know, this is genomics or something like that. In other words, uh, that he's pretty jacked up about what he's doing. Not that they agree with it, you know, not that they agree with it, but they're saying don't ignore it. What they do mention is that you've got to learn how to handle where China is taking itself. You know, all the the conceptions or concepts that or, or sorry, precepts that, uh, you know, it, it, the whole economy is propped up by debt and uh, uh, subsidies and so on. And theft of intellectual, you know, he says of intellectuals, it's all, it's all wrong, you know. He says they're coming through a lot better than anyone expected. They're going to grow at 1%. America's going to, you know, contract at 8%. And they've got this kind of mi- this mixture between state capitalism and private capitalism or, you know, private enterprise and somewhere in between. So, I, you know, I can't go into that. I'll be quoting it the whole night. But, I mean, what comes out is that they're adamant that they're going to, um, you know, uh, what's the word, uh, become dependent in technology. In other words, they want to develop their own technologies, and they'll they'll get there simply because of, um, you know, uh, just because of the universities, because of the people, because of policies, etc. Mm. They want to kind of um, isolate themselves from the U.S. or from U.S. technology. So just watch it. My point of view is I'm saying I've been watching China, I'm saying, Alibaba, Tencent, these businesses, I like you know, I like them. I think China is going to be a wonderful place to make money. Not that I agree with uh, uh, with Xi or or the human rights issues there, but I'm saying if you're looking to make money, just don't turn away from China, regardless of the noise that you're hearing in the media. This is uh, uh, something for a debate that we'll have uh, on a roundtable, which yeah. I'm going to organise in, in the future. But I said to a well-known and very, very large uh, South African fund management company, I said, OK, you like China, and you're very, very keen on uh, environmental and social and governance issues, and you're a proud uh, sort of pallbearer mm. for that type of investment approach. Yeah. In other words, I'm not going to invest in a company that promotes tobacco use or, or yeah. alcohol. And I said, well, what about China? What's, what happens with China then? Because yeah, the companies yeah. that you're investing in are administered by a company, uh, sorry, a country that is bordering on being dicta- right. yeah. di- dictatorial. Mm. So where mm. do you draw the line? And I, just very briefly, what would you say about that? Very interesting. That, that challenges us, I've got to admit. Why? Because I think in every business, you know, the Communist Party is represented. You don't do anything that's not going to be passed by the Communist Party, you know, by the People's Party, whatever they call themselves. So you, that's a very interesting thing. You know, you say, hold on a sec, you don't like companies where there's no governance, you know, uh, um, but this is, this is human rights. Where do, we, where do we put ourselves? Yes. I, I don't know. I don't know. You've just challenged me. I don't know. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to think of that, right? You have to. I've got to think my way out of it, John. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at um, if you look at uh, Jimmy Lai, for example, in Hong Kong, who's, yeah, he's yeah, a media yeah. magnet. He gets locked mm-hmm. up because he said something against mm-hmm. Beijing. That's completely yeah. wrong. And I have to say yeah. that any any company that mm-hmm. has any ties to the Chinese Communist Party, if I were an investor and if I were highly principled, I would say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. But of course, mm-hmm. you cannot mm-hmm. ignore the returns that might be mm-hmm. <laughs> might be gleaned exactly. from from these yeah, and you companies. See, the other. The other part is all the American companies that we love mm. get 15, 20, 25% from China. 
Yes. <laughs> so you've got that as well. You know, you go to LVMH, you go to all the tech companies, you go to all the motor companies, you go wherever. Hmm. They all deal with China. I, I think the way through is you've got to learn. You've got to learn to deal with them. You know, you've got to learn and kind of uh, work your way through it. Be smarter than them. Be aware of them. But I don't think what Trump's doing now is is the answer. Let's not you talk know, about I don't Trump. Think that's... Uh, please, okay. let's not talk about no, 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 please, honestly. I mean, <laughs> this is a man who hasn't spoken to his brother from reports that I read. Yeah. hasn't spoken to his brother before, but suddenly yeah. his brother is his best friend who's just died, which is which is sad yeah. for the family. Uh, any, it doesn't matter mm. whether you like or, or indifferent mm-hmm. towards your sibling. And the fact that there's a death in the family is, is a sad thing. It always is. Mm. But on the other hand, the next day he's playing golf. And I, I, when, it, when it first when it first announced, I said to myself, please, Mr. Trump, don't use this as an electoral issue. Please uh-huh. don't play yourself as the family man and, and, play, and play the victim. And I hope he hasn't done that. And I hope he doesn't do that. And he hasn't, of course, because he went to, to play golf within a few hours of his brother's death. <laughs> <laughs> have we ever heard of Robert Trump before? Have we ever heard? Uh, of- yes, I didn't. Didn't Mary? Wasn't that the 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 daughter that wrote the the, niece. Uh, the book? Now mm. was it the niece? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but, but you, do you know what I mean? She she said they never Listen, he doesn't he doesn't tick any boxes of the conservative right there in in America. I mean, whatever they stand for, he doesn't tick boxes. But they love him. You know, they just love him. I don't know. I I, I can't make sense of that. I, I really can't make. I don't know where he fits in, because uh, that's not, you know, that's not conservatism. Um, if you read about conservatives, I mean, you know, many of them are decent people. I'm talking conservatives. They just got different values. A lot of them believe in free enterprise and, you know, all, all the kind of uh, business, um, you know, business strategies or business policies that we like and that. But it, you know, uh, as opposed to perhaps socialism and that. But but he doesn't tick the boxes. You know, it's a very difficult to confine what a conservative is. But he just, I don't know where he comes in. I don't know, I don't know where he comes from. Never mind who <laughs> comes in. Uh, David, uh, we, have to, we have to end this now. And um, I'm, still, okay. I'm still wearing my um, black armband after a weekend yep. of sport. Okay, firstly, the cricket, second cricket test between England and Pakistan has been rained out. So it's a draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, still going on now, but it'll be a draw. Then Manchester United last night, sort of embellishing what I think is the demise of English football, because uh, we're just not as good as the uh, the smaller, nimbler teams from places like Leipzig and places mm. like Lyon. I happened to be in a bar in France over the weekend with a bunch of Lyon supporters watching Lyon versus Manchester City. And although Manchester City were very good, and I think they were slightly unlucky because of one telling moment when Raheem Sterling blasted over from two yards out, and that would have been 2-2, and I think they would have gone on to win it. The point is that smaller, nimbler teams are doing better. Mm. Bayern Munich are a giant, and they've done incredible incredibly well but you look at Real Madrid and Barcelona and Manchester United and Manchester City huge clubs they're simply not good enough and if you get a good manager in charge of a let's face it a very talented team they do better than these Mm. big teams with these popping jays these strutting peacocks who get paid 500,000 pounds a week and I think that the the young managers are the way forward to me yeah yeah dead right I think you said that they're strutting what strutting peacocks yes they are and uh you know that that was sad, but I think I think the saddest moment was Barcelona because oh, it just it was the end of Messi. You know the end. Sorry, the end of the 
messianic order. What do you call it? Yes, well, he's almost a messiah, messiah. Uh, and yeah. if you look at Gerard Piquet and you look at him and you yeah. look at Suarez, they're all in their 30s now. They mm. need to bring the That's new it, chaps yeah. through. Like, and totally. uh, and Sufiti, he's, he's very, very good. And they've got a lot of young players there, but they can't make yeah. that transition between the no. old and the new. No. And they need someone no. there like Maurizio Pochettini, uh, maybe, yeah. to... Uh, Pochettino, I, yeah. sorry, to, to come in there. Yeah, they, they need a young manager. Uh-huh. Yeah, anyway. I think Spanish football maybe some of the the lower clubs. I don't know. You watch it closer than I do, but even even Real Madrid didn't. You know, uh, I mean, also haven't uh, reached the kind of levels that we expect from them. They're just not the same team. You know, the two Spanish giants. And and the Germans, you, you've got you've got to look at Bayern. I mean, they play spectacular soccer. Oh. Hey. they're the best sure. team in the world, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. But but English soccer's got to. I, I think you're dead right. You know, it's got to relook at itself. I don't know what it is. I don't know where the problems lie. I'm just looking at Arsenal. Also, have huge, huge managerial issues. And the days of the Hillwoods and the people who own, you know, who owned Arsenal, those are long gone. And I think they've become very, very clumsy, corporate, bumbling things. I don't know what, I don't know how to explain it anymore. But they've, they're not they've, what they've they become used to brands. Be. They've become brands, mm. but they've designed themselves to become brands rather yeah. than football teams that become brands. So brand first, football second, and that really, really annoys me. It's it's like the American. It's like America. You know, it's like the American. Uh, what do they call American football or American basketball or something like that? They 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 trying to put them into that kind of shape. No, it doesn't work like that. Anyway, I, I, it's very sad. It is very sad. David, we'll speak tomorrow night on the five o'clock shadow with Nick Kunzer. Okay. But thank you very much for your time. That was David Shapiro from Sassman Securities, who's the deputy chairman of that institution, and that was Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.